Hello, and welcome back, or welcome for the first time to Playtime. My name is Andrew Barnett. I am a child therapist who lives and works in beautiful Asheville, North Carolina. And this is a podcast dedicated to play therapy, coming at it from a child-centered perspective. And today on the podcast, I want to chat about limits in session and how we build and foster self-efficacy inside of the clients that we see. Obviously, in play therapy sessions, there needs to be limits and structure for those sessions. And those limits are based around a lot of the things we do. They're based around the space that we exist in with the children that we see. There are places that they can go. Maybe those limits are just inside of our office. Maybe some people have some outside space, inside of the space, outside of the spaces where they see children, rather, that they allow their clients to go into. Perhaps you have something that's messy in your room, like paint or other art supplies that are only allowed to be used in specific locations. Maybe you have a sand tray, and only certain things can go into the sand, and the sand needs to stay inside of the container. We obviously have physical limits about our bodies. What parts of our bodies are okay to be touched? Is it okay for a child to let's say, throw something at you? Is it okay for them to be sitting next to you and touching you with their leg? Is it okay for them to touch your hair or other parts of your body in a non-aggressive way? There's all kinds of limits that we can set in session, and obviously those limits are particular to the clinician. They're particular to the children that we see. I can say that I have some limits that are in place for some clients that are different than for other clients, which then, you know, obviously makes my job a little bit more difficult because I have to remember what limits go with who, but that usually is pretty easy once a child steps into the space. Like, I might not be able to name off the top of my head if someone was naming my clients to me what limits go with what clients, but when a child is in the space, I can remember and tap into the structure that we existed in inside of that space. But that's not really what I wanted to focus on anyway in terms of limits. I think there's been other episodes where I've gone more into the nuances of like what comes up for you in session, what are you okay with, what are you not okay with, what that says about yourself, and taking a look at that counter-transference that you're having with your client, taking a look at your reactions, taking a look at your own value system in terms of being as attentive and accepting and child-centered as possible. What I want to focus more on in this episode is self-efficacy and how we build and promote that through the limits that we set and also through the limits that we don't set. I don't really feel like going through the structure of limits and how we do the whole thing, but I'll do it really quick. So at least the way that I was taught, when we name limits for the clients that we see, we first name the intention behind what they're doing. Like, ah, you really want to do this, or you really want to do that, or it's important for you to do X. And we do that in the name of them knowing that whatever intention that they have and whatever has drawn them to this particular point is acceptable and is okay and that we genuinely are okay with it. We then give them alternatives like you could do this or you could do that. We ideally give two and giving those alternatives provides the child with some choice in the matter. Gives them some power and control inside of the situation. And then last we set the limit. Because in terms of the child's therapy 
the limit is the least important part of that whole process. The most important parts for them therapeutically are them being accepted for their impulses and for their feelings and for the things they want to do and for them to feel power and control or to have as much power and control as we can give them inside of the session. I've had a situation come up for me a number of times in session where a child goes to do something. Thinking of one situation in particular right now that's at the front of my mind and in this situation, I'm sitting down, and the child's standing up, maybe 10 feet away from me, in front of me, and they're holding in their hand a piece of cardboard. And they had been, you know, angrily cutting out squares of this cardboard for, say, the last two or three minutes or so of me tracking that, what they're doing and the intensity of it and a little bit of the anger of what they're doing. And then they look me in the eye, and they have this square in their hand, and they're bringing the square towards their mouth. They're bringing it towards their mouth, and they're looking at me, and they're seeing if I am going to set a limit. They're going to see if this is okay for them to do or not to do. This is a child who I can guess, and I think a lot of children fall in this boat, but especially based on interactions with the rest of their family. This is a child who doesn't often get a chance to find their own relationship to things. They are often told to do something, for them maybe as soon as they think of it, or at least it feels that way. If they're moving towards something they're not supposed to do, they'll be told that rather quickly. If there is something that they are supposed to do, they will be told to do that. They don't have a lot of time or space to work their way through things and determine for themselves what they would like to do or not to do. They haven't been able to develop a relationship to life in a lot of ways, and they have not, at this point, been able to develop a relationship to cardboard and whether or not they would want to eat cardboard. So as this child is looking at me and moving the cardboard slowly to their mouth, giving me plenty of time to say, hey, don't put that in your mouth, or whatever it is that they're accustomed to hearing from the adults in their world... Instead, I keep the eye contact with them that they've created and say, you're looking at me to see if I'm going to say anything to you. In that, I'm not trying to overstep, right? I don't want to say the whole situation like you want to see if I'm going to say something about you eating that cardboard or not, because it's pretty easy for the child in that scenario to say, no, that's not, that's not what I'm doing. Like, I don't care what you have to say or whatever it is that they would say in response. But I want to say enough to make it known that they are looking at me to see what I am going to say. And they keep moving the cardboard towards their mouth. And then I say, it looks like you're thinking about eating that cardboard. And they say, is it okay if I eat this cardboard? They're not moving it to their mouth out of some sort of place of, I want to... I don't know, like I want to feel like I'm trying to be obstinate or I'm trying to be someone who is just doing what I'm not supposed to do all the time. At this point, they've had the idea to eat the cardboard and they want to know whether or not I'm cool with that. And this isn't something that I would like want to say to the parents of the children I see, right? But at the end of the day, yeah, like, yeah, I'm cool if you eat a square of cardboard. I don't, I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with eating a square of cardboard. 
I also, on some level, don't think you are going to, like, eat it, eat it, like, chew it up and swallow it, because that seems, uh, you know, uncomfortable and and not the kind of relationship that most people have with cardboard in their lives. And so this child does stick the cardboard in their mouth and then does chew it a couple times and then gets a look on their face like, ah, like, I don't, I don't like this. And then they, you know, spit it in their hand to throw it in the trash. And I tell that story because we allow children in the sessions where we see them to develop relationships to the things in their life, to themselves, to what they like, to what they don't like, to their own personal limits. Like I said before, I've had a number of kids who like to try to eat things or do eat things in session that they shouldn't eat, and typically, they stop doing that fairly quickly. They, uh, it's, it's not a thing that, like, goes on and on and on, where, like, oh, this child keeps eating paper, or this child keeps putting some sand in their mouth, or, oh, this child, whatever. Like, after a time or two of doing that, it's like, oh, this isn't food. I don't want to do this. And then they don't do it. And that can seem like a small thing, right? That can seem like a small thing for a person to discover that they, that they don't have any affinity for cardboard, But in general, as a principle of our time with children, the reason why we really pull back the limits of our sessions, we inside of our sessions, the reason why we don't have tons of rules and tons of structure for our space is so that children can discover themselves and what they want to do and who they want to be. I've had children be aggressive with me and throw things at me, and I only have, I have some soft things that I'm okay with uh, having thrown at me. But that doesn't last forever. That only lasts for a period of time. Eventually they don't throw things. And there's nothing quite like being with a child or seeing a child. It brings a feeling in me that I can't really describe. When we've spent time with them and they've, you know, maybe pushed some limits that we had to hold or they've behaves in a way that's aggressive and we've had to find outlets for that. They're pushing boundaries with where the paint can be. They're trying to leave sessions and go do things outside the room. They're trying to put things in the sand tray that shouldn't go in the sand tray. Whatever it is that they're doing that is pushing limits. And for a child to find themselves inside of the very wide, wide limits in our playroom and to be themselves and to be comfortable, and to know what they like and what they don't, and to exist in equilibrium and harmony with us, not through us imposing structure and imposing limits on them and them learning to stay inside of those limits, but through them just being them and having the freedom to be themselves inside of our space. We named the intention on the front end when we said limits because we accept them. We accept who they are, and we accept what they're doing, and we accept what they feel. And when that's felt, and when they know that whatever comes up for them inside of that space with us, there is going to be a place to outlet that, and they can trust that, and they know that nothing's going to be judged, they're going to push up against those limits less. That will naturally lessen with time. And I have been in a space with children before i'm in a space with some children now where sometimes i lose sight of that in the midst of holding limits and boundaries and trying as hard as i 
personally can, and hopefully this is something that people can relate to, but trying as hard as I personally can to accept and provide alternatives and to have them, I don't know, be able to exist in the container of the space without pushing against it so much because it can be exhausting when someone's pushing against it a lot. It is a space that all children seem to be able to move through at some point. Having that trust and that belief that they will move through it at some point is important and it helps us be able to hold those structures, to have those limits that need to be held and hold them with as much love as we can. And we know that we're not going to have to put all of that energy into holding those limits at some point. It's a stage that they're in with us and it's a stage that they're in with themselves that they will move through and it will pass. I took a Buddhism class when I was in college, and I think it was in the section on Zen Buddhism. A philosophy in Zen would be, or something like that, I don't know. But the best way to control someone, or they're like, ah, if you want to have a cow and you want to, you know, or a bull, and you want it to, to control it, you want it to stop running away, you want it to be in a certain area. And the saying went that then you need to find a big pasture and the fence in as large of an area as you can. You want to have as much space in the enclosure as possible. I think it was like a Zen belief about people. And I didn't really say that that well, but the, the sentiment is true for our play space. That we set the limits as far as we can while still respecting ourselves, while still respecting our toys, while still respecting the space that we're in, while still respecting the other people in the, I don't know, office building or school or whatever place that you end up doing sessions with clients. Like some rules and some structure needs to exist. I mean, it's important that it does exist. Having a container to fit yourself in is safe. The best way to, uh, you know, control a bull, not that we're trying to control the children that we see, is not to not have fences at all. It's just to give that bull as much space to be a bull as we can. And we want to give the children that we see as much space to be a child as we can, and as much space to be a person, and to learn how to be a person, and to learn about themselves as a person as we can. I think tied into limits and self-efficacy, and it's sort of another topic, but not really, and it's not worth its own podcast, is that, you know, a limit that we set is that we don't do things for children that they can do for themselves. I think it's easy, I don't know, at least from my end of things, to focus a lot with limits on like, okay, like, what do we, what are we trying to stop having happen? What are we trying to protect? But a flip side of that with limits is that we were not the servants of the children that we see. If a child's like, hey, go get that block we can say back to them, like, that's something you can do. And there's something wonderful as well about a child who is able to, inside of that space, be assertive about the things that they want, be vulnerable about the things that they feel, naturally stay inside of the limits because they know them and they respect them and they know they can be themselves inside of them. And that also just, like, does things, like goes and gets this thing that they want, goes and gets that thing that they want. And there's a, there's a confidence to that. There's a strength to that. And that, it, that, that rule that I just named is a rule that I will bend sometimes, right? Like I can think of a, just a couple of days ago, like a child says, hey, can you pass me that block? And I'm sitting next to the blocks and they're sitting much farther away from the blocks, which means I don't have to get up. I can just like reach the block, have it in my hand and 
hand it to them. I don't mind doing that at all. That doesn't feel like I'm, that doesn't, that doesn't feel like a stretch necessarily. And that's a limit I feel comfortable setting. If, if it's, if it's something that's like, okay, you're asking me to get this item that's closer to you than it is to me, or it involves me getting up, then I don't want to get up because <laughs> you could go grab it yourself. <laughs> then, uh, then I'll let them do that. And, uh, there is a, there's a power to that too. We both have, we have limits on what they can and can't do in session, and we also have limits on what we're willing to do or not do in session. And it's also important for us to know what those are. And that ties into not answering questions that clients ask us, which is something that I also bend sometimes. I think all of us find our own relationship to the rules in child-centered play therapy. And while it does feel important for us to have at least a pretty good sense of where our limits are and who we are in a session, it's difficult to plan for everything. And at least I give myself permission when a child asks about a particular thing, like, hey, can we do this? Or, or like, starts doing a thing that I feel questionable about. Like, I, especially if it's asked by the child whether we can do it, I feel comfortable taking a minute sometimes, saying, okay, give me a minute. And then maybe they'll press and say, like, I really want to do this thing. And it's like, I might let the, if we're already focused on my process at this point, then I might, then I might enter, entertain telling them about my process with it. It's like, well, we could paint over there, but like, I'm worried about it getting on the floor or like, and I know that we can use this space over here. Ah, like I'm feeling into this. Yep. I, I'm actually... I know you want to paint there. We can paint over here. We can paint over there. We can't paint on the floor. And maybe that's not a great example, but I do think it's okay for us to take a minute sometimes and check in with like ourselves regarding the limits and regarding the situation, which can feel better than simply trying to go along with something because we feel like we want that space, this pasture that we're seeing these kids in to be as wide and as green and as open as possible. But there are limits and there are structure and there are things that need to be said and we do need to respect ourselves inside of all of this and respect what we need to be centered and focused and attentive that allows us to give as much of ourselves as possible during the session. And that's all I've got for this episode of Playtime. Thank you for listening. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe. All of that good stuff helps the show uh, get more reach. Got a website up, uh, barnettchildtherapy.com. Also got an email, which is also barnettchildtherapy at gmail.com. And uh, hit me up if you feel like doing so. I love hearing from people. And yeah, see you next time. Thank you.